0: True enough, when you come to the last phase of retreat, you maybe some of you wonder, try to all the rest of the questions you could have suddenly come up. Uh, you know, There's no point really in just getting one's mind up with lots more thoughts and ideas, but you try to take stock of what's You've already got your handle on what you've got hold of, what you've managed to cultivate. It gives you some confidence. And that's, you start from there, you keep working from there, and you build it up, mm. build up that. And you begin to place some, get some um, guidelines. Obviously you have the guidelines of the precepts. And then. <coughs> You should by now, I've just recognized just what your most dominant uh, sankaras, dominant mental habits are. and You need to take stock of those. And it's not self. These are the ones you probably have followed and used for either for you had to or you're supposed to, or you don't know what else to do, or everybody expects you to do this, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. So we need to follow that way. Mm. Sometimes we follow you know, the way of the world, there's some pressure in it. Sometimes the pressure comes from our own, apparently our own desires, cravings, and other times it's the pressure of group pressure. Uh, feeling what other people want of me, expect of me. Mm. What I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do. Mm. This is the way the world forms you, it shapes you. These social pressures. Mm. Naturally, you get shaped by that, then the re- result of that is you generally lifestyle. Evolves around trying to fulfill those or moving along with those. And this really is why the Buddha recommended going forth. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, you say that, you feel, know, I can't, you know, I've got to do this job, kids, married, house, no job. Oh. Right, okay, so then you. <laughs> yeah. You know, how do you do it? Mm. We have to recognize that the way of the world, whether it's your your own uh, cravings and wishes and or just it's a sense of what you you feel you're obliged to do or be these sometimes get mixed up you can end up driving yourself along on these assumptions well you need to you need to at least get some break from it, yeah. you know, to challenge it even, it's just what you know, we call your meditation period. Mm. Thing. And rather than med- meditation is just another thing to do, but just looking at the whole process of mind cultivation and this, able to disengage first step, disengage from the mental drive mental habit busyness worry thinking about the next thing thinking about the next thing worried about the last thing thinking about the next thing worried about other people what other people want expect of you it just goes on it's these four positions future, the past oneself and others are all places where if you, if you linger in those, take those as fixed places, as reference points, then suffering will be on its way. You'll get some suffering pretty quick. You know, think of somebody else, and maybe you start to wonder whether you're, you might have done something wrong, or maybe he did something wrong to me, or what I should do for them or what she should do for me or mm-hmm. it's kind of a stirring and mm-hmm. jitter you know, oneself, you know, what one is and what one isn't, why one's like this and what one could be or should be, it goes on as well. And then the future and the past. In the past we can get either sense of regret or we can get a sense of Oh, it was, it was great when I was, you know, seven years old <laughs> and can't go back. If only I could go back and change things, you know. but you can't. Future, expectation, planning, strategizing for the future. Always leaning forward towards the future. And of course, these are the... Uh, that's the way lay life is. Society is structured around these reference points, and they're all suffering. They've got suffering buried in them. We don't necessarily see it as that. We just think, well, it's not quite right yet, but it will be. Seems okay. We'll wait. Wait a while, and then you'll find something you know, comes up. There's latent tendencies. Craving for being, bhāvāntanā. So when we um, just sense these places, you just check it out for yourself. Because actually citta, that which can be liberated, doesn't know the future or the past. It doesn't have a reference point to that. It doesn't know self and other. It just knows perceptions. Mm. Images, or uh, notions that, that land on it. Notions associated with agitation or comfort. Mm. Perceptions associated with threat or urgency. Perceptions associated with insecurity or confidence. Mm. That's where it happens. And some of these we grasp but as myself. We grasp that as what I should be, we grasp as what I fear I never will be. And this grasping, you're just going to keep spending your time just what's really going on, what's really touching you. And certainly this is an exercise to, to cultivate. Uh, at least you don't keep following these, these trends and you get to come to terms with the real what's really affecting the citta mm. what's needed worried what's needed most, most people are worried for very good reason what's needed mm. this is the metta question What's helpful? You firm up and you say, well, just do what you feel you can. What you feel you can manage knowing it will never be enough. That's that's the That's the, way, that's the way it is. Sings are. It's never enough. It doesn't work. It uh, one just keeps oneself open and available mm-hmm. while you can. Mm-hmm. And you have certain guidelines of virtue and goodwill and probably it's good to have a reference points for where you create your karma. Where you create your karma. Since you're going to do it, then you say, Where's my Kalyanamita? My spiritual friends, my admirable companions, the people I can rely on. Well, even those are only images and ideas. Still, when I reach those, when I touch those, I feel more confident, more wiser, um, less afflictive um, relationships, but more furthering relationships and actually it's important to understand that because you can't practice on your own you don't live on your own you're living in a world and that world will shape you it will it will it will it will decide what if you don't decide to shape your own life the world will shape it for you Worldly pressures will shape it for you. So, you know, we have to play the game. We have to be somebody. Because, you you know, in everyday life, you're going to be somebody. You'll either be what the world wants you to be, or you'll be what you decide you're going to be. Recognizing it's just still only a convention. But some conventions are going to cause you less distress, more ability to to... to be mindful to cultivate skillfulness. So you have your kalyanamitta, major companions, and this is a very important reference for lay life, so that you can get some um, feedback, but also get some modelling: what other people do, what good people do. Dhamma is based upon being, associating with good people, not associating with foolish people. Then your citta will begin to get those impressions, those sannyas, and even pick up those sankharas that are, are going to you know, lead to more supportive understanding. Guidelines generally are people who are not just uh, they call it all thunder and no rain, just make a lot of noise but don't really bring down anything that nourishes <laughs> something all thunder and no rain <laughs> there's just not much point just having more noise <laughs> with nothing fruitful coming out of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's better to be with people who don't say very much, but what they say is worth listening to. You get some agreeable resonances, agreeable tones, agreeable qualities, and then you become shaped by that. This is is what Buddhist societies and Buddhist groups and meeting places are about. It's a fundamental convention in Dhamma practice, monasteries, um, teachers, you associate, you associate, you associate, not necessarily even to just get more ideas but to, to model, to get the, the, the sense of you know, those who keep presenting these same fundamental qualities of sila, restraint, um, clarity, goodwill, commitment and your mind's bound to pick it up the jitta is resonant if you don't do that you don't got much chance really (laughs) jitta will tend to be shaped by the world shaped by worldly impressions how do you associate with good people associate with good people generally the theme is you look to have one part of you is always looking how can I how can I serve, how can I help, what can I bring forward? this definitely is the way to associate with good people mm-hmm. and good people are those who you feel you can rely on who you feel you can rely on, uh, who have you know, sustaining dharma practice themselves and the way to, to associate with them is to make you see, you know, what can you, what can you offer? How can you, how can you support? And this is the, always the way of the wise. Mm. Mm. And certainly as we, we keep encouraging each other, how can you support each other, rather? Mm. And it certainly builds up this mood, this atmosphere of an energy that rises, and rises not through tanha, craving, but rises towards aspiration, samasankapa, right intentions. And that's going to be the basis for speech, action, energy, effort, mindfulness. This, this, this is the field. the Buddha called it the four fields, the four assemblies, the lay assembly of lay men and lay women, monastic assembly. Ideally they, they work together, so there's this mutual support. The side of summoners is uh, helpful because they get the sense of stillness, Uh, because of the Summoner's lifestyle is one where they've relinquished a lot of activity, stillness, and something that's um, fairly fully committed to simplicity and stillness. This is very difficult to emulate in lay life because it doesn't, (laughs) you know, it's really got to be fairly active to keep going. But you're getting that sense of something that offers a sense of firming up, steadying, steadying. We don't really need a lot more information, but we need these tonal effects. Do you understand that? Tonal effect, steadying, reassuring. Same again, again and again, repeating. This is the this tonal quality, this mood that you you need to um, refer to and the jitta will pick that up even when you've forgotten all the ideas and the words or the, uh, the dhamma just seems like a load of ideas and words it's not really working uh, it happens you've heard enough but you need that definite energetic presence of steadying and a steadying that's not stagnant but it has this strength and vitality in it more we can do that for each other then we bound the jitto. if it's hurt, held steadily and calmly it produces its own understanding because it's always close to its sankharas it's always close to its habits and tendencies they're wrapped around it uh, now if you fire, if you are they're, they're constantly pushing it and engaging it Movement oh, towards the past, the future, should be, ought to be, that's always present, fretting, restless, agitating, that's always available. And so a sign of something that says stop, steadying, just to pick that up, it begins to, it will notice the movement, the agitation of the Sankaras, the and their, their captivating power, but if there's enough steadying, it will step back from it. And this is the most important hinge point, this disengagement from that. Now this isn't by any means a, a final result, but it at least gives you some choice over to what to follow, and with what kind of energy and what effort to follow, and what to decide not to be followed, Either never to be followed, or not right now. You know, energy's not right for it. Mm. The attitude's not right. Mm. It's the attitude and the energy that will also give rise to the results. If we do things with a resentful mind, or a fearful mind, or a um, demanding mind, then you get the results of that. Those those qualities stay. So we try to come forth with a joyful quality, waiting for that potential to arise. This is necessary to stop many times. And one thing you can attempt, (laughs) I hope, it's not too complicated, it's just like um, having pauses in the day or even for 10 seconds but quite a few of them 10 seconds isn't that long (laughs) but if you have 10 of those in a day still not long but they act like fire breaks so it just gives you that stop stop for 10 seconds and as soon as you stop you'll notice the momentum of what your mind is doing that was that and you might in that stopping 10 seconds you might by, by not engaging there's an immediate sense of the energy shifts and you might even decide look, why not, in that 10 seconds why not just focus on body standing here or sitting here relaxing whatever I don't need my hands, my feet, my speech just stop that was that 's about ten seconds not that, not that long, is it? You might add to it. you might add the last bit, add another five seconds what 's important right now don't have to have an answer, remember you just have to add that way of getting the mind to turn towards this or the Sankara, the Sankara of potential with a sense of um, what's important now and some things you'll see pretty much you have a way to to draw maybe what's important right now is to take another five seconds (laughs) and not think, not not be even trying to get an answer, just let it go empty for five seconds maybe that's the most important thing just the. see so it's, this is very much changing the, the speed of your life In lay, lay life, well it depends how busy it is I mean it's easy to generalize about lay life I'm sure everybody has different lifestyles to a degree but if you're right in that very busy phase of it, when you're working a lot and you've got a family to support, it's a very generally it's pretty high speed and it's also ragged. It goes zigzags this way, that way, and off to look after that, and then fix that, buy that, look at that, answer that. Phone rings. It's just jumping all over the place. <laughs> if you're in that that scenario, and then you feel you, you can Then you feel bad about yourself. Like, oh, you know, I'm not really very good at this. Nobody's good at it. It's because it's, it's a race that nobody can win. It's called going mad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people can manage it better. <laughs> it's you know, it's just, just, it's a very sort of, um, and it's you know, oh, all this, okay. It's like this now you plug your mind into something like that, that's what it does. Then you get that sense of... Uh, And then then the more you can just stop now and then. So at least you're aware of the momentum, aware of it, and you get to contemplate it. You get to contemplate it, and you do that, you're doing that, several times a day even for only 10, 20 seconds or so doing it several times a day you're bound to your, your mind, your jitta is bound to notice this is, this is the pattern this is the pattern this is not self, it's a pattern it's a pattern, it's a program it's not self and uh, at a certain point you start to ask yourself, how much energy do you want to put into this? Since it never ends and never accomplishes finality, how much more energy do you want to put into it? A sense of dispassion, I'm being a bit rather weary of it, really. And it could be just the endless uh, fretfulness and worrying, and should be this or criticism. Irritations, things like that. He's tired of it. Nipida. Mm -hmm. These are are qualities that jitta learns Becomes more dispassionate towards the activities of our life that we undertake. Like it's just um, doing duties, doing duties, duties to family, Duties to maintain requisites. But to add to it, duties towards Dhamma. If you don't get that one, the rest of it falls apart. Duties of the Dhamma is pamada, fundamental duty. Be vigilant, have this pausing to notice, stay awake, don't go on automatic. Don't keep running on to the next thing. Have this vigilance, apamada. Mm. Next moment is always the unknown. It's not pre. It's not there yet. Not yet. You know. mm. Be vigilant. Mm. Notice the mind can be vigilant. This is chitta. Chitta is this, has this tone. It can be upright. It can brighten up. Now you know what that is. That's chitta. And this movement, onwards this way that way. That's sankara. Just beginning to get this, reading it, over and over again. Over and over again. It's chitta. This is sank- This is the. This is the programs that we get. That it gets involved with you do that and you keep that perspective and things begin to change by themselves the passion and the fascination or the uh, or the, the way the overwhelming quality it begins to fade out because your jitter never really goes into it in the same way once you start waking up once you start waking up and you know what that jitta the awakening potential is, right in this Appamada, vigilance, it's that. Then you don't never really buy into the sankharas of daily life with the same gusto, with the same belief, and this is a sort of turning point, really. Pamada. Vigilance is the path to the deathless. Pamada. Heedlessness is the path to death. (laughs) Pretty straightforward statement. We just go into that. So it's very important to get that, that watchfulness. Jitta will only learn in accordance with you keep presenting these signs to it. It learns at its own rate. Mm. Certain people ask me about my own, you know, life process. How did that occur? Well, pretty much like that. (laughs) Pretty much like that. You get following this, following that, just we begin to sense this isn't it's not, it's not, I'm not getting it am I, I'm getting I'm not getting that kind of conviction, that gratification, it's not happening, is it? Mm -hmm. Try another one, try something else, go somewhere else still not happening try something else, go somewhere else, it seems it's still not happening something's wrong here can't quite get the satisfaction that one expects so i did quite a bit of traveling around and i noticed it was very it could be quite exciting traveling going to different places in the world and you know but then i find when i get i get somewhere i kind of get a bit well, so what? After a week or so, well, so what? Start thinking about the next place you go to. Then I've got to the point where it was like, get there within a couple of days, well, so what? And then it was getting to be, as soon as you got there, as soon as I got there, I felt, well, so what? <laughs> Just another so what? Uh something wrong here. <laughs> It's not working. It's <laughs> time to meditate. I don't know why this happens. Why it happens to some people, it doesn't happen for other people. But if you've come to retreat, clearly something's happening for you. You can believe in your personality and your life and your history and you're this and you're that and you're only this and you're only that and you you can believe in all that but you just why did you get come here? why did you do this? Yeah. what's that about? you go to that remember that return to that and it may not have an answer as a word or a series of words, it's just got this like an inclination away from samsara, the world worldly life, something more meaningful and valuable and deeply uh, precious. Mm. The duty of the Dhamma then is to keep turning towards that. Develop kalyanamitta, meditate. Mm. Take a little bit of study, take a little bit and chew it a lot. You don't need much. You know, but you chew it a lot. What is sanya? What is sankara? What is mindfulness? You know, these are not these are very often, frequently used terms. What actually are they for you? Mm-hmm. What is it when you break an unwholesome habit? What does it take to break an unwholesome habit? And if, to recognise you you need to and you can it takes. Aditana, resolution, and that means you begin to have to acknowledge some habits, they may not be they're not illegal, they're not necessarily immoral, they're just waste of time. Uh, and there's resolution to stop. And this is where you build your basic parami, which was, is the main vehicle for daily life. Main reference points for daily life is the Ten Parami. You can't expect you're not going to be meditating for, for much. But if you don't meditate every day, I don't think you're really gonna do your duty to the Dhamma. You lose touch with it, you get out of condition. But well how long is that gonna be for? Half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the evening, maybe an hour if you're lucky? Huh? great if you can do that. But then most of it's going to be integrating that meditation into the daily life You develop parami. Mm -hmm. So you look at life as an occasion for Mm -hmm. generosity. What can I give? Service, serving those who need, make that a practice, whether it's a Bird even, you know. <laughs> um, it's a sense in which you, you make that dhana mudra, that dhana gesture, whether it's to uh, other creatures, other human beings, or even to people who have passed away. You honor, you bring up the memories of those who have been great, you've grew grateful to, and you offer, you make an offering, lifts the heart. Dhana always lifts the heart. It always lifts the heart. We need that. When life's getting really depressing, you need to do some dana. I remember uh, uh, one of our um, devotees of Chittas Monastery had a, a noodle shop uh, they all kinds of they people could buy all kinds of noodles to cook in restaurants. He had a noodle shop. and uh, um, So one day, some people broke into his noodle shop and stole all his equipment, stole stuff, stole his, his stores and ripped off his, his money. You know So he was really pretty exasperated with that. dang it, yeah. So he you know, I'd better go down and get a whole load more stuff. So he went to the big wholesalers to buy more ingredients, more noodles, and he found out when he got back, they'd overcharged him. So he got ripped off again. I'm really fed up with all this. feeling so annoyed at getting ripped off. I'd better go and make some, do some dana and cheer up. <laughs> so he came to the monastery and brought the whole load of offerings. Ah, oh, I feel a lot better now. <laughs> you know, the world is not fair. Uh, just, you know, feeling angry and annoyed about it. It's just, I can understand it, justifiable, but does it do you any good? <laughs> Even Dr. Dana, he was looking after a, a dog or something, but, but certainly giving to those who are worthy, you feel, you know, you'd like to support, is generally a very helpful um, tre- cultivation for the heart, because it brings you into alignment. If you belong to, you're associated with beings who are worthy of if you're worthy of support. You take in. Sila, morality, virtue, a sense of conscience and concern. No one's actions and speech. Use that. And uh, here, again, with world in general can be pretty fuzzy around certain things, evasive Slightly deceitful, slightly less—not exactly truthful. People being not very truthful. People bad speech, gossiping. You know, quarrelling, uh, slandering, accusing, saying bad things about each other. And so you be someone who doesn't doesn't say things that need don't need to be said. And avoids harmful speech. Yeah. Even, if it, even if it's true, even if somebody, you know, who is a, is a really unpleasant person, you think, well, why do we need to talk about them? And we talk about something that inspires, gladdens us. So training oneself, to, to making a choice over one's actions renunciation is a very necessary factor for lay life because um, so much of the, the world is, is, is geared up to consuming and getting more always more, always consuming, always have a bit more uh, it's huge And it's, it's uh, I was, you because know, I travel through and go to airports, and mostly in airports, I'd say huge shopping arcades and stores in the airports. And I haven't got any money anyway, but, which is great. <laughs> but you look at it, I would say maybe at least 80% of the stuff nobody needs, you don't need it at least 80%, sometimes it looks like 100% of the stuff you don't actually need. You don't need the whiskey. you don't need the perfume, you don't need the jewellery, you don't need the, le- the leather goods, you don't need the luxury, you don't need any of it. And it's all expensive. And clearly it works because it's so attractive, pack, beautifully packaged. None of it, nobody needs it. And then, you know, Clearly it works, people buy it. Because of this feeling of the, the superficial delight of the senses, sense contact. So, if you're training yourself just to, you know, it doesn't say just to withdraw from that pull, making an effort to, it helps even to not give your attention to it. Generally, when I walk around in a city, I just keep. I was focused on what I need to see. The road, the traffic, it's enough. I don't need to look at this, that, and the other. Just all, (laughs) you know. And can you do that? And particularly this is a very uh, stirring, poignant uh, occasion because we need to remember that all, all the material things that we consume, whether it's whatever it is, perfume, toys, seemingly harmless. It all comes from this one resource which is the planet Earth and uh, planet Earth didn't offer any of it we just took it Mm -hmm. and often we took it in a way that involved damaging the Earth, just ripping up the land Killing the animals, creatures, destroying the forests, um, siphoning off the water, Uh, and then once when we've done that, poisoning it with chemicals. And then when we finish with the item that we bought, we throw it into a place called away. We throw it to this magical place called away, where it dissolves into nothingness. But the only problem is there isn't a place called away, there's just the earth, the water, the air. And uh, the poisons go in there and they start destroying everything and it comes back to us and that's exactly the situation that we're in at the moment, and the extreme amount of damage. And it wasn't because people decided they were going to go and destroy things, it's just just they wanted a little bit more more convenient, more comfortable, uh, it's not hatred, it's just casual greed, casual, don't even really feel it, just casual, oh, more of that, you know, One of those. And yeah, we've all, yes. so we've kind of just realised this is quite a, a sobering uh, reflection renunciation then try to separate what you need from what you could want what one could want will generally get more and more if you focus on what you need it generally gets less and less well i actually don't what i need is yeah, you know, or like no what i actually need is some food Shelter. Some clothes. Mm. Liquid and so forth. Medicines. Really what I need is Dhamma. (laughs) And it's not going to come. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't damage anything. It doesn't poison anything. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be thrown away. You can store it make use of it, increase it, and pass it on. Uh, so one begins to, yeah, is that true? You begin to turn your direction. It's not, you know, any, any effort you make in that, any effort, even tiny bits, just will always, um, you realize you feel good because you're making some decision in that respect. Now the parami, we have uh, quality, um, very important panya, discernment, the ability to discern what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's helpful, just keeping you, so you don't go brainwashed. And when things get very busy, we often lose our discernment, because the mind is not able to keep reckoning, it just goes along with it, goes along with it. So that's a dangerous path, automatic. We lose our discernment, our wisdom. Automatic, acting on automatic. You've got to, hmm notice that. Automatic, this is where we start to slide, make accidents, do things we don't want any use, just gliding along automatic. So discernment, making these distinct choices. It have the choice just to stop and give yourself another few moments to decide what's appropriate mm-hmm. Kanti is, uh, is patience enormously valuable Parami most a lot of life is just about this requirement to patiently bear with it the unevenness of it, the unresolvedness of it, the you know cries of it, the yeah, you know, the incessant need of it. Just being patient, patient with yourself, patient with your own mind, with your own mental habits. They don't just drop away overnight. You've got to keep patiently, patiently, you know, patiently pluck. Resisting them, patiently investigating them, patiently exploring them, patiently pacifying them—it's like you using a, a file, like a file to wear down metal chains. You just patiently—that's you know, that's the way it goes. It doesn't—it doesn't happen other than through patience. These things don't just one day and you're free. You're patiently wearing away at where your passions and habits and automatic reflexes are. Virya, you put energy into it. And the energy is... Um, if you don't have any energy you can't practice. Energy is not the same as effort but it is the reservoir and how to restore energy. So energy should always be moderated by what you say no to, you must be able to say no without regret. Not be, just because I don't have the energy for it, or the energy's not here, yeah, or it's unskillful, or it's not necessary right now. To be able to say no, otherwise your energy just gets worn out. Energy goes, then you've got no strength. And then what you say yes to, what you say yes to, that you feel you can really put your heart into for this moment, for this day, for this hour, for this five minutes, pick it up, put it there. It shapes your mind, energy shapes your mind. And if you want it to have a strong, clear shape, you've got to use no and yes, repeatedly. because otherwise, if you don't, the world will shape it, the mind for you. It'll generally just be a scrambled mess <laughs> with a few nice ideas, but just no, no, not fit. Yeah, the mind's not fit to do this penetrative work, it's worn out. Truthfulness. Truthfulness is both uh, to see things truly as they are, which takes some doing. We're often only seeing things rather blurred, or seeing things that what we think they are I haven't really looked at it clearly. Mm. We're seeing things with a slight bias. So, what do you really see? What do you really notice? And uh, clearing some of these. And when you become truthful, you stop exaggerating and fantasizing. Mostly what you can find, you can always be truthful about, is this is a condition, it arises, it passes. It's not self. And it's got a certain adhesive, clinging quality to it. And you feel you're truthful about where, how you're getting stuck. If you can't be truthful to yourself about where you're getting stuck without a sense of blame, how are you going to get unstuck? So the truthfulness is to just, yeah, I'm really stuck on this, or there's that sticking. And the Buddha says, "Great," he says, "This is a great uh, gain to acknowledge where one's mind is sliding away." You consider considers a great gain in this practice when you begin to notice where your mind is slipping over. If you don't notice it, <laughs> you know, and if you feel guilty about it, then that doesn't help either. You don't, you don't want to notice. But if you, when you see noticing where you're getting stuck, you see that's a positive sign. It encourages you to be truthful about yourself. And you know, then you're, not, then you're going to be dealing with what you need to deal with, you get some angle on it. This is where I get really agitated, this is where I get very compulsive. Oh, what's happening? Then you investigate that. Turn it over, think about it. Consider the, the, you know, the, the, the short-term advantages of most of our defilements offer a short-term advantage. Otherwise we wouldn't follow them at all. Most of our defilements, our passions around food or entertainment, you know, things like this. Yeah, they give us a little burst. Really? That's true, isn't it? But then, you know, an hour's gone by, where am I? You know? <laughs> What's the result of it? So you, you know, you just consider it. and. Uh, uh, and this helps again to train yourself in truthfulness. because um, uh, quality of goodwill, talked about that. Non-aversion, not allowing ill will to take over the mind. And ill will oft also comes disguised. Disguised. So that the... the uh, Qualities of ill will that come disguised. are oh, well, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not really good for that. I'm not really good enough for that. Generally, anything that's got "I am" to it, you should investigate. <laughs> something, something's going strange. <laughs> so, any statement, "I am this," "I'm not that," you know. does that feel good? What's it doing? I'm not. I'm not. I can't. That. That's a sense of something is ill-will, negativity towards oneself, undercutting oneself. People have a lot of what they call sabotage programs. They do things that deliberately undermine themselves. It's a strange piece of psychology. So I know someone is always very restless very restless, moving from here to there, to here to there, to here there, and, and always feels disappointed with himself. But as soon as he feels disappointed with himself, to get over that, he restlessly does something to get away from that feeling of disappointment. <laughs> so, and so it goes, you know. So but then we begin to recognize that uh, we feel ashamed of ourselves or bad about ourselves. This is an opportunity not to distract, but to hold it with goodwill. Often ill will is imagined as other people feel bad about me. Other people don't like me. I do this, she won't like me. if I do that, he'll just dis- he'll look down on me. Where's that coming from? Can you read people's minds? No, there's only one mind you're reading. It's yours <laughs> So when you get a fixed idea of other people, you should also inv- also check that one <laughs> you know if you're if your world of other people is full of people who who will look down on you and don't like you and and you have to constantly you know fulfill their desires, you think, I think these are your, your ghosts you're talking about. Mm. And of course, if you keep acting like that, that's the way people will be, but we have to just check the people in my mind, do they have goodwill towards me, do they accept me, the people in my mind, do they accept me as I am, are they people who support? Or is it just a sense of constantly, oh i better do that because he wants, I better not do that, I better say that, I better make sure she's okay. Well there's a kind of a of an ill will there because you imagine other people will be annoyed or disappointed or angry or upset or something or the other because of you. Huh? Another one is, oh I I'm you know, I don't want to bother them because I should look after myself. I don't want to be a nuisance to somebody else. I don't want to disturb somebody else. I don't want to be a nuisance to somebody else. Nuisance? Mm -hmm. What what makes you a nuisance? (laughs) You make yourself a nuisance. (laughs) That's ill will. So it takes over. And we try to instead cultivate uh, this quality of faith in, in goodwill. Resolution, no, none of these virtues is going to have any effect unless you make a strong resolve to, to stay with it and to penetrate what the, the habits, the sankharas of the mind. When you try to do this resolution, you have duties that you've committed to, you resolve and you look at some days it's good sometimes it's not good sometimes you feel happy with it sometimes you don't feel happy with it stay with it and keep investigating is this something where I can bring forth good qualities or not if it's not then don't do it if you feel you've got to do it even though you don't really like it just make it a practice of patience <laughs> you're patiently bearing with it if you feel you have to and at least you're making some benefit out of it getting some benefit out of it and equanimity final parami a sense of uh, all this is karma changing and you know, the ups and downs sickly you know, again investigating the sense of "I am" with that. This is just the, the rolling on. Any judgment you make about yourself should be handled, should be released with equanimity. Just the conditions are this way now. The conditions are that way now. The mind is like this now. The mind is like that now. Equanimity. This conditions this is the conditions are like this now, changing. And we recognize, perhaps one of the duties, the duty, of the Dhamma, that we all should make is to remember our death. You do this every day, in the day thinking of death, remembering it might be your last night. Bear in mind consciously, steadily, keep practicing it. Spend at least 10 minutes, at least, before you, before you retire, just any regret deal with it now any feeling of uh, annoyed with people deal with it now don't let it sit there uh, do you clean it out now in your expectations of the future what if it doesn't happen what if that plan you had in mind what if it doesn't happen thing you were planning, what if you die tonight and it doesn't happen? Can you be equanimous? Then check it. Death is a great teacher because it says, you know, all your efforts... <laughs> so you look at it, are you equanimous about that? So that if you are alive the next day, you just do your duty with a sense of greater equanimity rather than you know, anything else. Just keep checking it recollect all that's mine the belongings we have they won't you know are they just becoming something that gets in the way of clarity get cleared it out you'll leave it one day you have to leave it your belongings your, um, but what you must try most importantly to leave is the karma make peace with it. No regrets, no guilt, no anger. Clear out the negative karma. Forgive. Don't make, you know, forgive. For that. And bring up. Bring up that which you feel glad for. That which you feel, if you did this one good thing in your life, you feel glad for that. If you met this one good being in your life, you feel glad for that. And you linger on that. You make much of that. And what that quality means? This was the bright. This was the truthful. This was the loving. This was the wise. The action I did, or the person I met, was like that. And you bring that up. That sanya, that perception. That's going to guide your chitta. you do this regularly enough, like rehearsals, then when death comes, you're prepared. <laughs> you're ready. You know. It's no. It's just we're on death row. And if you prepare, prepare, so that we're building up something that we can carry, the chitta will carry, it will go upwards. And so the recollection of death is very necessary, duty, stops us being so petty, self-important, proud, reckless, yeah. It cuts that, and it makes us feel, makes us realize the only refuge we have, the only most important thing to cultivate is Dhamma, however that is for you. And then you're always setting yourself straight at the end of the day. Just hmm? so pausing, beginning of the day, remember, This day is going to end. Where's it going? Beginning of the day, this day is going to end. Where's it going? Are you ready for it? Are you fit? Do you have some targets? Instead of targets in terms of productivity, target parami. Are you ready with the patience? You better be. (laughs) Are you ready with the wisdom? You better be. 'Cause here here he comes, start now. At the end of the day, that was that. Something to be grateful for, something to have learned, something to put aside. So you keep cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. And if you cultivate like this, you know, over time, over the years, your jitta is comes assured. So this is the way I recommend you consider your ongoing Dhamma practice. You're losing motivation in all this, getting a bit fed up with it all, tired, want to go home watch telly and um, have something to eat and things like that, chat with your friends, <laughs> more lively. And it's good it, when you think, well, I, you know, I'm just like this. To use, use the practice as a sense of, I use this time as an offering uh, to people who've helped me you know now we're recollecting you know uh passed away yeah recently our friends our spiritual teachers they've dragged us up they pulled us up they showed us the way yeah in a sense of well for them just as an act of gratitude and service to them. And I will, you know, offer my practice in this way. You know? Just imagine those teachers are standing right there. And so they're saying, Come on, come on, you know, you say, what can you offer? I say, well, I can offer some time. I can lift up to that. And sometimes this is very helpful, sharing of blessings. And um, To our teachers and then to our people who've helped us, our benefactors on the path, people who've offered us life, friendship. Uh, And realize well also I'm trying to do this so that I will have qualities of some kind that I can offer to help other people. (laughs) Get to help lift them out of the out of the sadness and despair. You know, so he just put forth that effort from a place of um, gratitude and generosity and compassion for the welfare of others. That's what's kept this wheel rolling for years, for millennia. The Dalekman, the Buddha, who'd finished his work, he didn't need to do anything, spent the rest of his life tirelessly putting forth something for anybody who could listen. You know, he didn't say, oh, well, you know, I had enough for the day, I watched cool." <laughs> I don't think they had television, but <laughs> I don't need to do this stuff for himself, but it's just that, you know? and then how do we, if we really, you know, regard ourselves as, as people who follow the Buddha, could we follow that, that example? At least try to extra that extra little bit more of of, of uh, Rising up to this special occasion that's been carefully put together for us, and we've had the time. You've taken time off work and duties. Um, you know, you really use your time wisely. Right to the, so you're getting that sense of not just being kind of um, you know half-hearted about it. Heedfulness, heedlessness is the path to death. And it's a very easy path to follow. <laughs>